Welcome to Finally Alive Radio with Pastoral Counselor Gary Harris. To find out more, please go to finallyaliveradio.com. Okay, let's go to Acts 9. And so far, and just kind of going through you know, as the story goes here, right? Seeing from Acts 2, that's the big kicking point, right? Acts 1a, you, you shall receive power. Stay in Jerusalem. But where's it going? Judea, all through Samaria. You know, that's that's the Acts 1.8. Chapter 2, we're getting the the gift of tongues. You know, they're, they're moved. The Spirit is there. And, and it starts to spread. It just starts to spread all over the place. And that's what we've been seeing. It's just spreading and spreading and spreading. And it's getting bigger and bigger. And that's that's the wild part now is it's, it's literally like a wildfire. And it's spreading. Uh, what I've been trying to also point out is those sayings sometimes, you know, the like, like Son of God, like we'll say it today in Acts 9, but Son of God or uh, connecting uh, Jesus and Lord and God all, all kind of together. The idea is it's all the same. He's all the same. And that's what he's trying to, trying to get across. So that you'll, you'll, you'll notice some of that. And then you'll notice like places being named. And I think that's on purpose because it's showing you, look at where it's going. And we're covering, we're covering a lot of spots. And and notice this place. And this is this is a place where uh, it, it's it's outside of our borders. But guess what? God even went there. You know. So this is important. Acts eight is where we ended, and we even saw the uh, the Ethiopian. Remember the Ethiopian getting saved? I mean, it's like what in the world is happening? Yep, the Ethiopian too. All right, there is no limit. It's another way of saying God's kingdom. It's gonna come just like it, just like Jesus said. And it's happening, just like Jesus said. And it's still spreading, just like Jesus said. It's that whole commission. It's all, it's all happening. Uh, and, and there's no stopping it. And that's, that's the crazy part is every time they've tried to stop it, it hasn't been able to, to, to be stopped. That's the wild part. Uh, but that's what happens when um, it's spirit-filled people moving under you know, God's direction. That's, that's what you get. It, it, just, it just spreads. It just spreads. We ended on uh, Acts 8. Uh, let me just read verse 40 here of Acts 8, but Philip found himself at Azotus. Remember, he, he gets teleported, speaking of which, uh, teleported, and now he's out, he finds himself in Azotus. Where is that? What, what is that going, where, what's going on there? And as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So now this is up north. This is up far north. And it's like, what, what are you doing out there? The whole idea is, remember, the, the Jew first and then the Greek, that's what's happening. All right, first the Jews, then the Gentiles. And you'll start to see over time, now, next uh, chapter, chapter 9, we see uh, Saul, who is Paul. And we know the story of Paul. Paul's the guy who gets the message out to the Gentiles. And this is a cool story. Why Paul, uh, or Saul here, it's, it's just interesting. The guy is, I don't know, I guess we could say genius. The, the guy is that smart. He knows how to speak to all the crowds of the day. He can speak to the Jews because he knows the history and he's a Jew. But he's also got Roman citizenship, which means he knows that culture too. What better guy to be able to take an Eastern uh, religion into a Western world that's all logic and, and all sorts of different different types of, of ways of, of processing and thinking? Awesome, awesome. That's the that's the guy. That is the guy, right? And and God uh, did just right, he, obviously, by picking him. So Acts chapter nine, verse one. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of of the Lord, went to the high priest uh, and asked and asked him for letters to synagogues at Damascus. All right, just keep that in, in your mind here. Ask him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if we found any uh, belonging to the way, all right, what's the way? That's that's what they would call them. That, that just, they were called of the way. They weren't called Christians quite yet. All right, so um, instead of saying, hey, are you a Christian? They would say, hey, are you of the way? That's just, just the way it was, all right? That uh, 
If he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he's going to go to Damascus, all the way to Damascus. So that's all the way up north. All right, but he's going to go all the way to Damascus. Who is it? Saul wants to go to Damascus and bring them back to Jerusalem, right? Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And here's your, um, here's your moment. Here's your divine encounter. All right. If you remember when we talked about apostles, even prophets, they get a divine encounter. That's, that's one of the, the main ways we can see an apostle or a real apostle is that they have a divine encounter. It doesn't necessarily have to be like glowing and shining like this, but there is a divine encounter. That's, that's key there. Uh, a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, now check out this line, why are you persecuting me? Now is he literally persecuting Jesus? Jesus isn't even like physically on the scene. But why does he say that? And that's that's a kind of a, a cool line, right? It's, it's the old, uh, you know, you mess with me, you mess with my whole family. It's, it's really that. That's kind of what he's saying. You're messing with me. But no, I'm not. You're not even here. What are you talking about? I'm dealing with the Christians. Yeah, but that means you're messing with me. You know what that means? When someone's messing with us, they're actually messing with God. And God's got our back. Praise God. Right? So he's got our back. But look at how personal he takes it. You're messing with my, with, with my family. You're messing with me. Guess what, guys? We're family. That's, that's the other idea there, okay? We're family. But what did he say? Saul, why are you persecuting me? I'm not persecuting you, man. All right. I, I just wrote this down. It might be kind of random, but in Mark 9, 42, he says, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were to throw in, into the sea. It's like, geez, man, like you don't mess with God's kids. But people do, all right? So all because you're not supposed to mess with God's kids doesn't mean people won't. All right, so, but understand that there is a protection uh, for us as believers. And it's not that, let me, let me clarify that. It's not just because we're believers. We're believers with a job to do. Does that make sense? Because we're, we're all believers, praise God. But if you've got a job to do, if you've got to get somewhere, God's going to get you there. I mean, how many times do we see the disciples? It's like, oh my gosh, you're going to get, or they, went, they end up going to jail. And then what happens? Boom, they're out. It's like, oh man. Well, yeah, because... You're, one, you're a believer, you're one of his, and two, you've got a job to do. That's just the way that works. So uh, there, there's a different kind of protection for us. Verse 5, and he said, who are you, Lord? And that's kind of interesting. It's like, nice guess, buddy. But um, this is a total guess. But this is Paul we're talking about. This is a, He calls himself the Pharisee of Pharisees. This guy, he's got a connection to God, right? I mean, he's so connected that he's killing Christians. That sounds funny to say it like that. Because he actually thinks he's doing God's will. Right? So, good intentions, doing the wrong thing, though. He was missing this one piece. That's all he was missing, this one piece. Obviously, he gets the, the, the revelation of the church that he was missing, too. But he was missing Christ. He was missing Jesus. And finally, he experiences being in the presence of, of literally Jesus. Great guess, man. You know, yeah, he's got a pretty good connection. Even though he was totally lost, he had a pretty good connection to know, who is that, Lord? It is. It is, dummy. Yeah, exactly. And he said... I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Was he persecuting Jesus? No, he's per, he's persecuting. You see, it's, it's, there's a connection for you. He is persecuting his. He's persecuting Jesus' uh, well, brethren. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. So check that out. How about that? He gets an encounter, and then what happens? Hey, I love you, sweetheart. No. Hey, get up. Go to the city. I'm going to tell you what to do. Have a good day. Bye. <laughs> Jeez, man. Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes it's not a sweet little message. All right, sometimes there, there is no I love you. That doesn't mean he doesn't love you. 
but it doesn't mean he's going to always, always say that. Sometimes it's, hey, here's the encounter, get up, you got to go. All right? So, and, and the best example I can give you is something we talked about just a, a week or a couple weeks ago is, remember, hey, he got the message and he ran. Why? Because it was appropriate. So sometimes God's not going to sit there and coddle you and all that because it's just not appropriate. We just have to get to business, let's go, and then we got to get the job done. Why? Because that's, that's, what's, that's what's appropriate right now. But if he knows he was hurting and broken and all, God will bring him food from the mouth of sparrows. You guys know the stories, right? God, God knows what he's doing, all right? So and he knows what he's doing with Paul. And he, Paul didn't need the coddling. He just needed to know who he was, got the encounter, and now he's sent. Verse 7, the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Now that's kind of crazy. It's crazy because Paul, that, that just proves that Paul isn't crazy. Paul isn't the one who's the only one experiencing it. There's other people around him who hear it, but don't see it. So, um, you know, the, 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 I don't remember who was talking about this, but um, there's never been, oh, forget it. I can't, I can't think of this, the quote now. Never mind. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll have to find it. The men who were traveling with him stood speech, speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. That's an interesting line, right? Are we talking spiritual? Are we talking physical? I think it's physical. But, but I think there's also a spiritual element to it. You know, the, yeah, the, the guy, it's kind of weird because you were seeing just fine, but now you can't see. But what's going to happen in a minute? You guys, you guys will see, of course. So they led him by the hand and brought him uh, into where? Into Damascus. It's a weird place, man. It's a weird place. Take a look at uh, Genesis 13. With that said, so Genesis 12, we get the promises, right? So, but Genesis 13, as, as we fast forward through this, this is the experience with Lot. You know, we're separating. You want to take the east or the west? It says, I'll take the east. But then Genesis 13, he's, let's see here. 13, 14, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes, look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you, uh, that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are Hebron. Hebron is, is that area of Israel. It's like the, it's Israel and more. So I, I, I wish I had a map to show you guys. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Now the next part is that wild part. Remember, he has to save Lot in chapter 14. So that the whole Chedorlaomer and all, all that all that part is in here. Verse 5, in the 14th year, Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him came and defeated the Rephaim and Ashtaroth, Karnaim, all these crazy Eames and the Horites in their hill country in verse 6 of Sire. Verse 7, then they uh, turned back and came to En Mishpat. All right, off, off they go, right? Uh, let's see here. Verse 10, now the valley of Siddim was full of bitumen pits, and as the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into them, the rest uh, fled. So all sorts of stuff happening, right? So the enemy took all the possessions of Sodom and Gomorrah, and all their possessions, and went uh, their way. Verse 12, they also took Lot, the son of Abram's brother, who was dwelling in Sodom, and his possessions, and went their way. Then one had escaped, came and told Abram, the Hebrew, I think that's the first time it says Hebrew there, who was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, uh, brother of Eschol and Aner, uh, or Aner, these were allies of Abram. When Abram heard that his kinsmen had been taken captive, he led forth his trained men, born in his house, 318 of them, and went into the pursuit as far as Dan. Now, do you guys know where that is in, on the map? That's all the way north, next to Caesarea. If you guys remember that map, I had that map up here a couple weeks ago, but uh, 
Dan is all the way up north, okay? Uh, and he divided his forces against them by night, he and his servants, and defeated them and pursued them to Hobah, north of Damascus. So here's the wild part. That's like the weird, eerie kind of thing. Wherever his foot goes, it's yours, is, is what God was saying, right? Where did Abram's feet land? Well, it goes all the way north to Damascus. There must be some sort of crazy, weird connection when you go back to Acts, because even in Joshua, we talk about, they, they talk about that. Let me see if I can find it. I'd have to show you the map. I can't find it right now, but let's go back to Acts chapter 9. But I have to show you the map, because already the region he's in is already that, and then you go all the way up north, get up, all the way up to Dan, which is right there by Damascus. So wherever his feet land, God says, it's going to be, it's yours. Now, Acts 9, and in fact, I think the furthest north, I believe, that Abram goes, if it wasn't, it was real close. So it was Damascus and maybe a little bit further north. So everywhere his feet land, here's what I'm trying to say. Everywhere where Abram's feet landed are all the places so far we've been taking over, if you will. God has been reclaiming, if you will. All right. That's what we've been seeing. As it grows, as it grows, as it grows. All right. All right. Now that's what we've been seeing. And then on the side, boom, an Ethiopian. It's like, what in the world? Yep, he's one of us too. All right, we didn't go to his land, but we got him. Guess what happens? That message that he got goes all the way down there too now. Does that make sense? So there's this weird connection to all this because you're like, Damascus, what does that have to do with anything here? I think there's that connection there. So, so back to Acts chapter 9. So we have God, or uh, God blind Paul here. So Acts 9, 9. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Imagine the experience, man. I mean, you're in front of the Lord, you're blinded. You can't think straight because everything that you know has totally been rocked right now. What just happened? Everything that he knows, right? Everything that he knows, it's not that it's wrong. It was missing something and it's finally here. That Messiah that they've all been waiting for, he literally got to experience. Wow. Yeah, you'd probably not eat either, right? I mean, again, Pharisee a Pharisee, right? I mean, it would just shake him. This is his life. So, uh, and for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Verse 10, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, different Ananias than the one who passed. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. Uh, weird, weird line there for you. Here I am, Lord, right? Kind of like, uh, you know, who was it? Uh, was it Elijah? Well, there's actually a couple of them, a couple, a couple of them. When the Lord speaks, you just answer, here, here I am. So he has one of those moments in here, verse 11. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. Isn't that kind of weird? The house of Judas, really, man? You guys kind of go to a different house? I don't know what, what that's all about, but that's that just kind of like, kind of found a different house, man. But anyway, uh, look for a man of Tarsus. Then again, Judas is probably a, a very common name. Anyway, for, uh, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen a vision, a man named Ananias come in, come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. Now, this is an important line or per, important verse. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many, many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. Now, here's the question for you. Is this arguing with God or... Is he so disturbed that he's just explained like, are you like, this is crazy. Like, I've heard of this guy. This is the guy you want? It's not like questioning God like I don't believe you. It's like, oh my gosh, like it's disturbing. Okay, so this is important because we have those moments. Remember Mary? How is this to happen to me? No, she's not questioning God like, oh, I don't believe you. It's like, I've never heard of anything like this. We never learned this in sex ed, right? It's, it's a moment like that and, and that's okay. You're, you're allowed to have a moment like that. God, really? I can't believe that. That's wild. Not like I can't believe it literally, but that's that's just wild to, to even hear. Because the guy who's literally killing Christians, you're telling me to talk to that guy. All right, man, I'll do it. All right, because you said so. All right, so verse 14, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So 
It's like, really? This, this guy? Okay, all right. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before who? The Gentiles. And again, that's an important part because what if what's happened so far? Everywhere where Abram has been walking is being covered, except for the Gentile territory. Abram didn't go there, but now that's even going to be covered. Th- this is truly the Great Commission. Go into all the world, not just all of Judea, right? All the world and preach the gospel. It's literally happening right there. So carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And geez, what a what a sad promise. Huh? I'm going to show you how much he's going to suffer for my name. But I guess we can go here really quick. So suffering is definitely a part of this walk. It just is. If Paul didn't suffer, and if we have time, we'll read all the sufferings that he goes through. If he didn't go through it, would we? I mean, would it be done? I mean, maybe not not through Paul, maybe through somebody else. But someone had to suffer, and that's important. And why does suffering happen? Because it's necessary sometimes. I'm not saying every time. I'm not saying all the time. But sometimes it is. Suffering is. It's not just the suffering. The suffer, it's, it's also the sacrifice. Sacrifices must be must be made to get the job done. Sometimes. In fact, how else? Let's let's get uh, let's talk capitalism really quick. How does anyone, I guess even in this room, how does anyone in this room earn a living, right? How how do you do it? You can call it suffering, but it's sacrifice. That's the only way that any any normal system works. There must be some sort of sacrifice you make or a trade-off, which is also a sacrifice, to gain, right? Whether it's just a living or whether it's a fortune, it doesn't matter. But anyway, why don't we get into capitalism? The point is, the point is, that there's suffering, right? But th- there must be a sacrifice for there to be gain, all right? That's about it. I guess that's a bad analogy. I don't know, but use capitalism for you. He must suffer for the sake of my name. Suffering and sacrifice is necessary sometimes for, for the gain. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. Now, isn't that interesting? Just two verses, or th- whatever, three verses ago, he says, This is the same guy who's been persecuting us. Just a couple verses ago. What, is he, what does he say now? Lays hands on Saul. And, and calls him what? Brother Saul. Brother Saul, we're one now. He doesn't ask him questions. Are you sure? Are you sure you're not going to establish that? He didn't do any of that. He had his moment with God, and then he goes, and then he accepts him. That's proof right there that he's, Saul is now accepted. You are now our brother. Well, how do you prove that? Well, because God told him. That's it. There's your faith. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice that line. Every time we've seen that line, great things have happened. We saw it with who? Starting with the disciples. They were filled. Then next, the deacons, remember? And then we got a really good shot of it with Stephen. And then amazing things were happening with him. You guys remember all that? And then now with Paul. It's, it's all going to happen. Remember the fire that's been going on? Yep, it's, it's going to continue with this guy. So notice these lines. It's like, oh man, it's almost like a spoiler. It's like, oh man, okay, he's another one. This is, this is another one of them. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Side note here, I was talking to somebody about being filled with the Holy Spirit. They're like, yeah, I just want to be filled. I want to be so full. And I said, I want nothing of me. I said, all right, well, you know what? There's no cups here. But I said, and I had a cup. I said, think of this. You know, you got a, you got a, you got a bottle, right? I said, I can fill this thing up with water all the way to the top, right? Yeah. But what's the container? It's, it's, it's the container. It's the vessel. Said, so here's the analogy. The inside, let's call it the, the water is like the, the Holy Spirit. You can be filled all day long. You can be filled to the top, but the vessel's still you. So you're not going to lose yourself. You're not, you're not going to all of a sudden be like this magical person, like a wizard or something. Because I think that we're kind of like, kind of edging towards like, I just want to be so led of the Spirit. It's like, you got to realize your brain is still working. So you can be filled all day, but your brain also has to align. What if the Spirit tells you something that's beyond your brain, like what Ananias just experienced? Go talk to Saul. What? 
What, what happened? His brain kicked in. His logic kicked in. So sometimes it has to go beyond that. So you could be filled all day long, but you're still in that vessel. And God realizes he knows that and there's mercy for that. Anyway, side note for you, but be filled by all means. But we see Paul make some blunders. We see Peter, right? I mean, they all do it. And guess what? It's okay. It's fine. Guess what? We're going to mess up. I'm, I mess up all the time, right? It's okay. Does that mean you're not filled with the Spirit? No, you're still filled with the Spirit. Of course you are. Of course you are. All because you had an error doesn't mean you're not filled with the Spirit. Anyway, as you're filled with the Spirit, verse 18, and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. I don't know if that, that's kind of a, even almost, not necessarily metaphorical, I think it's literal. It's kind of a, an interesting thing. Here you are living your entire life Paul the Jew, or Saul the Jew, right? The moment you see, well, you didn't literally see Christ, but you, you experience Christ, you go blind. But the moment you're filled with the Spirit, you can see. That's, that's kind of an interesting, I, I, it had to mean something to him. It's like, oh my gosh, this is real. Why? Because I can see. That's kind of a weird moment, right? I mean, I don't know, just a thought kind of came to me now. So immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. Well, we'll pause there, but I want you to see this. I want you guys to notice when they're naming places, they're, they're not just randomly saying stuff. They're saying it like, because you guys will know what this is. Where's Damascus? It's all the way up there, you know, near Dan. This is this is weird territory. This is not good, good stuff out here, you know. Um, it's We don't go out there, okay? That's the weird place. But God's going to go there too. So that, that's what they're seeing. It's like, oh man, he, he even went there? An Ethiopian? One of those? Yeah, even them. Yeah, God has no limits. This is that thing that they were talking about. Yep, this is the one, that Messiah. We've had messiahs in the past, and the kings and all that, but this is the messiah. This is the one. This is the final one. It's the, this is this is him. That's the, the the vibe. Okay, that's the vibe of what's going on. How do you know? Look at all the places they're going. It's it's working. It's not stopping. Remember signs and, and wonders. They want to see it. It's happening left and right. You can't deny it. So God is moving uh, mightily, right? And now finally, we're getting to the place where we're going to transition into less Jews and more Gentiles. We're we're on our way there. Thank you for listening to today's message. 2 Corinthians 9-7 tells us that each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. If this message has been a blessing to you, we ask that you be a cheerful giver to this ministry by going to finallyalive.com forward slash give. We'll meet you again next time as we grow together and learn to be finally alive in Christ.